We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today, the NBA schedule has been released. And there is no one on the planet more qualified, coming off of a 4,000-word tome on the matter, than our guy, Mike Trudell. Mike is uh, is one of your favorite basketball days of the year, Mike. And there's no one better to be our tour guide. So please, take it away. Peter, what I was reminded of by you yesterday is that this is not an exciting day for you. And you made that very clear in the text thread uh, while I was pouring over the details of this thing that it just really doesn't interest you. And I made a joke that, <laughs> all right, fine, I'm going to start I'm going to start looking into some Nick Van Exel stats on the negative side and start to make some arguments against your guy. And Darius, I go into the office yesterday to just finish up some edits and do some things. And Pete is cutting what a Nick Van Exel video, like, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was cutting a Kobe video, and you were it was frozen on a Nick Van Exel frame. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, he, he clarifies. Yeah. So yes, yes. you know, Darius, I'm Pete did take some of my excitement away. So maybe since you actually read about read my article and care about it, maybe you could kick <laughs> us off uh, with the thing that popped out the most to you, Mike. A phrase that my wife will use with her kindergartners and elementary school term. And I'm sure that you've heard this phrase yourself, Mike, a proud father of young children, is Pete tried to yuck your yum is what happened there, Mike. He <laughs> like he tried to steal your joy. He tried to empty your bucket there. And we're not going to have that. Me and you, we will, <laughs> we will love the schedule release. I don't know if we love this schedule, which I think yeah, the is, schedule's not great. Yeah, <laughs> which 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 I think yeah. is is a good jumping off point here because yes, I did read your piece, and I thought the opening part of your piece and what you led with in terms of like last season and what happened last season and the Lakers' inability to capitalize on what looked at the time to be a weak schedule 
right? Like um, the opportunity to maybe jump out to the type of record that the team did in the year that they won the championship, right? Where they had won, I don't know, 15 of their first 17 games or 17 of their first 20 games. It, it was some absurd number. And last season's schedule with some cupcakes in the early part or, or perceived cupcakes at least did not generate that type of record. And that right there should have been the flag that that sort of all or the sirens that were blaring in in our heads that should have given us a hint as as to what last season was was going to be. And so the NBA schedule maker said, hey, you know what? We tried to make it easy on you last year. You didn't take advantage. So forget that. We're not giving you any breaks early on. And so I think, Mike, talk to us about that first part of the season, because when I looked at the schedule, that was the thing that stood out to me. Obviously, the Lakers always get a heavy hitter on opening night, and they usually play the Clippers very early in the season as well. But you start to look at the first eight to 10 games or so, and I'm just like, oh, oh, well, well, looky there, there's another yeah. good team and another good team and another good team. And it's uh, it's going to like they better hit the ground running this year was, was, was sort of my thought. So I'll kick it to you guys to chew on that a little bit, because that was my first thought. Well, first of all, we mostly kid Pete. He was just being honest, right? This isn't his favorite thing to look at. Uh, and, and, and we understand <laughs> that. But maybe there's something that has piqued his interest in, and we will find out shortly to get to Darius's point. When I first opened the schedule. So there are a couple of things that come to mind and I did address that early in the article, but so yes, they, it's very home heavy again to start this year. It's five of 15 games that are on the road last year. It was only three, but still that's a majority at home, but the Western conference this season is better even than last season. And then it's been in recent years. And that's so obviously if you're a Western conference team, your schedule is going to be littered twice as much with Western conference teams as Eastern conference teams. And there are just not a lot of days in this year's West that you look at like last year's and you think, Oh yeah, that's your, if, if you just show up and play well and you're a veteran team, you're going to win that game. So it goes golden state Clippers, Blazers, Nuggets, Wolves, Nuggets in October. Like those are, those are the first couple of games. And then November starts and still more Western teams, New Orleans and Utah. Now, of all of those teams, the only one that is going to take a step back from last season probably is Utah. All those other teams either got better or are the same and can build on something. Or in the case of Portland, who struggled last year but were completely injury-plagued and Damian didn't play, right? So there, there isn't necessarily a game on there, Pete, just, just to start with this block of games that you look at like last season's where it was like, oh, home against OKC, home against Houston, you know, and even San Antonio, they, the Lakers had twice early last season. They were they were down last year and Sacramento started really slow last year. So that's the first thing is that the Lakers, despite having a new roster, despite not knowing the rotation, despite having a new coach, they better be on it uh, from the start here. That's what I'm kind of excited about. And it's less about whatever record we end up with over the first five to 10 games and much more about the approach. You brought this up in a pod recently, D, about how kind of our lackadaisical casual approach to the beginning of last year, like there's this kind of we'll get around to it idea that injuries and all sorts of circumstances, we never got around to it. And when I look back to that season uh, when we won the title and you look at a lot of championship teams starting the way you start is pretty important and the 
seasons kind of have a, a very similar shape to me. And this is one of the reasons why my attitude toward the schedule release is kind of like, eh, kind of all evens out at the end. You all play the same teams about the same amount of times with very little variance from one to the other. But that beginning of the year, that first month, especially, I feel like the better teams in the league are kind of making their opening statement. And maybe they're not playing as well in January or February and those kind of parts of the season where you're just getting through it in a lot of ways. But I do think the first like three weeks, four weeks of, of the NBA, you see some of the the better looks from teams. And when I look at that first block of games, there are a couple of teams, the Clippers and Denver in particular, which consist of three of our first five games. Both of those teams have been kind of waiting for this year, the year where they get Murray back, they get Porter back, the year where Kawhi is back. It's kind of they've set up their chips for the last couple of seasons, uh, having paid a, a bubble tax to some degree, very similar to the Lakers, where it's like, you know, they're chomping at the bit to start this season. And so I kind of welcome it in the respect that like, we need to be on it. We need to be like ready to go. I feel like there's a certain amount of atonement that we have to go through from last season where we did so many things wrong and so many things without the necessary degree of like, we're going to play hard tonight and committed and focused that I don't know. I, I welcome the start of this season while fully acknowledging like, well, yeah, this is way harder than any opening to the season we've had in a few years. Well, iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Pete, about starting out well early. And when you were talking, I was thinking of like a relay race, right? And what are typically the, the two strongest runners in a relay race are normally the open, the guy who starts and the guy who finishes, right? It's, it's like that mm -hmm. opening kick and then, and then the closer, the anchor leg. The Lakers are going to need to have if not a good record, then show that they're a serious basketball team. We waited for that serious basketball team to show up all of last season, and they never showed up, mm -hmm. really. Now, there were a bunch of reasons for that, and we've contextualized that about a billion different times, a billion different ways on this pod, and so we don't need to get into it now. But I am interested, Mike, in seeing how all that newness translates to seriousness. Because I will tell you, I don't know if your kids start at school this week, Mike, but my kids start school next week. And the first few weeks of school are always where everyone is on their best behavior. Everyone, right? It's like, okay, well, these kids are excited to be back at school, but it's just like a new authority figure is in the room. It's a new teacher and it's a new environment. And everyone is trying to get their bearings and be socialized back into the norms of a school. And so like my wife comes home the first few weeks of school. She's like, I love these kids. They're great. Now in every batch of kids, <laughs> you're going to have some kids that are going to show that, you know, they're maybe not as quite the listening type or as quite the most disciplined type, but most kids are on their best behavior, just trying to understand what they, what they need to do rather than what they can do and what they can get away with. Right. And so that's how I sort of look at this Lakers team right now is Darvin Ham's a new coach. There's a bunch of new players who are coming to a new team. And this idea of like, we better be on it. And that's the 
totally opposite view of what those veteran guys were going to have. And then under a third year head coach in Frank Vogel. Right. And so some of the holdover guys might have been like, oh, we've been through this before. And then some of the veteran guys have been like, oh, well, I definitely been through this before. I don't care. Like the head coach might as well be one of the teachers from like the Peanuts gang, right? Where it's just like, you don't even see their face ever. And all you hear is <laughs> wah, 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 because they've heard all that before. And so like, I'm interested, Mike, in how that might translate to a level of seriousness and combined with the schedule with the opponents, how that might lead to them being a bit more focused and geared towards something. Yeah. And so it isn't necessarily a bad thing either, as Pete alluded to, to start out with some games that are a little more serious because the time that you want to get, so like Darius, what you talked about to bring this in also, the first day of school vibe, all of those young teams that are eventually going to get into developmental mode and you know they're, the front office and the coaching staff are going to sort of play guys right with the eye on the next season, you want to get those teams later in the season. You don't want to get those teams right away when everybody's just excited to be playing. It's the young energy. It's all that, which is what we saw last year for the Lakers. The only thing with this season, and to hit on this point again, is that some of those young developing teams like OKC, you know, even like Detroit in the East, Houston, those guys are now, those young guys have had some rearing. Uh, they've got some talent. They're big. You know, so I just think that this Lakers team, for what it is composed of right now, and us not knowing what the rotation is going to be, we can get into that later, uh, they're, they're just not good enough, right? To look at, and that's the other reason why the Western Conference looks tough, like it is when you're not when you're not one of the top two, three, four teams. The schedule is going to look difficult, right? When you when you go through it, so that's one part of it. And by the way, it was the first day of school today. Um, so first first day of second grade for Jet and Town. So we just dropped them off, uh, scrubbed the Nikes with the brush last night, make sure they were clean. Talent had a new pair. He wanted the Ken Griffey shoes, uh, which I was a little jealous of, which were sick. Um, so that's an aside. Now. <laughs> Let me hit one point before we move deeper into the schedule about why the schedule, like the things that you look at first, I think whether you're, especially if you're a dad and it's the holidays and usually the Lakers are granted a home Christmas game. In fact, there are only two times since I started in 2008 when they have not been in Los Angeles. One was Pau Gasol's game when he played for Chicago and the other was a couple of years ago in Golden State. And so this year the Lakers will be in Dallas for Christmas not only that, they'll be in San Antonio for Thanksgiving, and then they'll be in either Charlotte or Atlanta for New Year's. So it's like bang, bang, bang. That's not ideal to be gone on all three of those days. They do get a home Halloween date, though, with the day off. And so it's the first time that I'll get to actually go trick-or-treating with my kids since they were one uh, back in 2015. Because the Lakers have always either played on Thanksgiving at home, or Thanksgiving, on Halloween at home, or have been gone the last couple of years. So they definitely got the short end from the holiday perspective. It's one of those things, guys, that doesn't really matter in terms of the team and winning and, and what the thing looks like. But it's just a it's like a little bit of a quality of life thing when the players all open up that schedule and, and have to go talk to their wives or their significant others or their moms and be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to do Christmas uh, morning of December 24th this year. You know, th that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I've always thought that the road Christmas team, they actually have a bit more of an advantage of playing the actual basketball game. Because when you are at home for Christmas, I've always thought it's just like, okay, well, you are trying to balance all of this stuff. It's, it's just like, can we get in the gifts now? Like, should we do it in the morning? Are we going to do it the night before? And are, does that sort of – NBA players are such creatures of routine and habit. 
And I always wondered if like being at home for those dates rather than on the road where you're sort of sequestered away and can dive back into your routine of sorts of playing a basketball game, even though you are away from family. I always wondered if that was an advantage for the team that has to go play. Right. And not necessarily all of the family considerations, which I told to get Mike, those are going to be hard and and very tricky to manage. From a schedule standpoint, your holiday schedule is probably fairly similar to a player's. How do those work in the Trudell household? It's just it's just kind of as you would think. You just sort of you reschedule uh, the date as to which when you're going to celebrate things. Now, you can't really do that for Thanksgiving as much, uh, especially if you're gone for three days. It's like that that day and it's not that you're necessarily doing presents but are you going to cook the turkey and have like yeah have turkey on over, sunday mike you know so all of that so thanksgiving to me may just be may just be rough i may just be doing it with you know michael thompson and Stu um and billy mack in ireland and, and co on the road but christmas is i don't mind doing it a day early and honestly i think for kids they're like oh we get to do presents a day early so Sweet, it's fine yeah. <laughs> you know and then and then also like new year's to me isn't that big of a deal so it's just more of a it's kind of like the mental thing rather than the execution of it where you're looking forward to these days and thinking about how it impacts but you know it to me ultimately it ends up not being that big of a deal let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll get a little deeper into the schedule we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So question for both of you guys. From a couple of people who saw the schedule a little bit in advance, the consensus was like, yo, this is 
probably the toughest one that I remember for the Lakers, just from a, a schedule standpoint, uh, from a, you know, homestand versus road trips, uh, the holiday issue that you pointed out, Mike, is that something that you guys agree with? Does, has, does this schedule stand out as a particularly tough one for the Lakers? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it's, it's a couple of reasons, but the biggest reason is just the, the overall strength and depth of the West as we already went over. And then even in the Eastern conference, some of those younger teams that you only, you get to see twice for the Lakers, five of the games against the bottom five, likely bottom five East teams. If we're just ranking where they might be right now, all come in December and where will the Lakers be in December, right? Will will a trade have been made before the season? Will a trade not yet have been made because the trade deadline isn't quite there? And then coming out of the all-star break, this is the other part for me, Pete, that is tough. It gets back to that Western Conference heavy slate with one Eastern mm. trip mixed in. And that's that. That's So it's another reset. So it's like, all right, well, now not only do you have all of the teams that are just expected to be good, the Golden States and um, the Memphises and the Dallas's, the teams that were up at top of the conference last year, the Clippers getting better this year, the Nuggets, all, all of those teams. But then you have all of the teams that are in the play-in range that are still playing harder than sometimes teams might do. And in the case of the West, are there going to be any teams that are for sure out of it? Like maybe San Antonio, right, who made that trade and is kind of signaling the direction that they're going in. Um, OKC doesn't seem to, to yet be ready to win, but yet has some real guys now. And that that is where things get into play where um, it's just a little different from how last season was where you had a mix of injured teams and young teams and there's just no break in it you know there's no there's no set of games where you think all right this is a place where you can get fat um, on what the schedule looks like maybe that evolves if they make a great trade and all of a sudden the team is better and some of the new guys start playing better Darius but on paper right now, the schedule looks difficult uh, and it's a mix of the roster and the rest of what the league is expected to be. Not so much the number of back to backs and the you know this long trip here and this this trip there and the holidays. It, it's more to me a personnel thing and a comparison to the rest of the league thing. Yeah, it's always about expectations. Right. And I feel like this is the first year, I think, since the Lakers got LeBron, maybe his first season. Where I feel like the expectations are like, I don't know about what this team is or like mm -hmm. the excitement level is down, right? Like even when the Lakers got LeBron, it was like, oh my God, they got LeBron. And then it was just like, oh, okay, well, this is an interesting team that they've built, right? Like I remember all the, like, oh, a lot of ball handlers on this team, a lot of... A lot of shot creation, not, not a lot of shooters, right? But I was excited to see some of those young guys play with LeBron and see which ones sort of measured up to him and were ready to sort of go. And then the next offseason, they trade for Anthony Davis. And then it's just like, oh, man, this is a this is a contending level team, the team that they built. Then they win the championship. And so coming off the championship, everyone feels great. Right. And then they're like, oh, man, look, they got a young point guard. It's when they traded for Dennis Schroeder. And it's like, oh, they got Montrezl Harrell. Harrell's like six man of the year. Right. And so that excitement and that that feeling of this team can win the championship. It's been two and a half. It's been like almost three years of that. Right now, this season, it feels like, well, I don't know about this group. And then, well, damn, look at the rest of the West. And the rest of the league and all these teams seem strong. It's just like you look at some some of these games, even even a game like Cleveland, which for several years was just like, OK, well, the Lakers are going to kick Cleveland's ass. 
right? Like we got LeBron now, like, oh, they're going to go in there and stomp them. But now it's just like Cleveland's going to be good. They might win 50 games this season because they are young and on the rise. And it's like that throughout the schedule. And you just feel like the league is so deep. The league is so talented. And the Lakers feel like a depressed asset in terms of where the rest of the league is going. And I just feel like the last year and a half or so of Lakers basketball has done that to our expectations. And I'll be interested to see if the team can rally around that idea and turn it on its head, because I think the fans are hungry for a Lakers team that that's going to compete hard every night and maybe get some results with that too. I think the last 18 months or so have clouded our vision in some degrees uh, with respect of what this team is and what they could be, Uh, especially because of injuries. This past season, LeBron and AD only played 21 or 22 games together. If it's LeBron or AD, like that's a whatever team. It's the LeBron and AD that makes it special. And that's something that we had during the championship season and didn't have for very much during the last two seasons, especially, I mean, we started what, 21 and six in the 20, uh, the season where we signed Schroeder and, and Trez, like that was a good team until it fell apart physically. And I think that it's been that for so long that I think it's kind of baked into our mentality of that, whoa, this is what this team is. But if if they're healthy, and that's certainly no guarantee, but if we can get, you know, 50 plus games of LeBron and AD playing in the same game with I, I think that our depth is significantly better than last year. We've been talking over in the text thread a bit about some of the camp battles that in like, who's going to start at the two who's kind of in the, Oh, is this guy out of the rotation altogether? And what that speaks to, I think is a certain level that we lacked last year. Mike is a lot of getting through a season is winning a game on a single night where you have like 75% of your team. You don't really have the, the theoretical team that you're talking about in the preseason, like, oh, this, what if we have this guy and that guy? No, it's like two, three rotation guys are out. Someone needs to step in. And I think that our 10 through 15 this year is much better than it was last year. And we have a lot of guys where, oh, if one guy is out, there's someone who's relatively close to them, who's going to play hard, who's got young legs that can step in. And so I think that I, I don't know. I'm a little more optimistic on this group while while also thinking I don't think this is the final roster, whether it's now, you know, up until training camp to the tr- to the trade deadline. But I think that this particular group has a little more than people realize. Well, the LeBron and AD part is obvious, right? And, and the the health that's needed and required for them uh, there. I think there's something to be said about needing. So LeBron's 20th season. And what level does he have in terms of gas and effectiveness and legs and all that? But but still, I think LeBron and AD is one thing. The bigger picture for me in this is, is Westbrook and or the salary slot that he occupies. And that's the spot, right, where the Lakers just have to get an upgrade in production, whether it's from Westbrook turning into a different mm-hmm. type of player this year or that or that turning into something else, you know, from in terms of a trade or whatever it might be. So that to me is where you go, because Pete, the depth can't really be activated for me unless that spot is settled. And that's where a lot of the uncertainty lies, because if you're it's that whole it's that whole three through eight, three through nine combo um, that we had. And that that's the part of the lineup to me that isn't good enough this year. Uh, Agreed. Right. But it could be with the right type of trade or with the right type of development. 
And then if you're asking Stanley Johnson to be your 12th guy, you know, that's a pretty good 12th guy. Last year, he had to be like the fifth guy in certain <laughs> aspects, right? And and so that to me is where that discussion lies. And and that's part of uh, Darius, what the what we've been getting at, but we still don't know. And now that we have the schedule and we're sort of lining up when they're going to, going to see other teams it just, for me, it becomes a little bit more real when you see, okay, Warriors on opening night, you know, Clippers that next night, those teams are, they're much more knowing what they're going to be doing, uh, which, which is not easy. The Warriors just won the championship. The Clippers have assembled maybe the deepest roster in the entire league of guys who make $10 million or more. Seriously, go look at their roster. They've got like got eight 13 guys. Dudes. Yeah. They've got eight or nine guys who make over $10 million. Oh, right? I thought it was like 12 or 13. Well, okay. well who yeah. cares? It's just like yeah. after six, you stop counting. <laughs> I'm being totally serious with that, particularly when you have two guys who already make the max. If you've got two guys that make the max and then you've got four other dudes who make more than $10 million a year, you're already deep. If that's mm-hmm. eight, other guys who make $10 yeah. million dollars here. It's like, what are we even doing here? And getting back to the schedule, then I wanted to kick it to you. The part of the schedule that I think is going to be the most important month is December. The Lakers are on the road damn near the entire month. And in fact, heading up in to December, they're on the road as well, as Mike pointed out in the Thanksgiving week. And so look at the last week of November, basically from, so From games 16, which is at Phoenix on November 22nd, through game 36, which is on December 30th, the Lakers only play six games at home, right? And so they're on a three-game road trip that Thanksgiving week, and then they've got their six-game road trip, which is the longest of the season. They come back for a few games, and in those few games, they play Boston and then Denver, and then they get the Wizards. And then boom, back again at Phoenix and then at Sacramento, then home for Charlotte and then at Dallas. And then they go to Orlando at Miami, at Atlanta, at Charlotte. And it's just like, holy cow, they just spent five weeks on the road, basically. They get some reprieve here or there. And I just think you look at the schedule every year and you're just like, okay, where is the stretch where it's just like, this is the stretch where they need to they need to overachieve to a certain extent. Like they need to play above their heads or they need to show us what they're actually made of. And I think that's a super important part of the season. And it comes in the first half of the year. And what a good team normally does with that type of stretch is that's a, a chance for them to come together. That was one of the things about the 20 team with all of the things that happened that year is that team was close. And I think that that played out, especially in the bubble where everyone's living in close proximity. Like if you don't really like each other, if you haven't been through some trials and tribulations together, then maybe you fracture. And I think a couple of teams absolutely did that in the in the bubble um and so these hardships in the first part of the season mike this you know first 10 games of like wow every team here is at least pretty good to very good and then this december stretch where they're on the road for pretty much the whole month like those things can go badly they are things that are set against you but i think it's also Good. I, I think that having a certain mentality of like there's an opportunity in here. I think that's what good teams do with stretches like that. Yeah, and I think I can explain from the schedule standpoint why it's like how it is. And essentially, the Lakers' schedule this year has become a bit more efficient. And so their travel, it's like 
Last year was 47,000 air miles. This year it's 43,000. And how do you do that? Well, you you cut out a couple of the two-game trips and then you're flying back to LA and you have a couple Mm. more five-game trips. So, and that's what it is. So the Lakers have three five-game trips and another six-game trip. And that's not typical. Uh, It does lead to, to less overall travel and basically more time in hotels on the road, but less time... Uh, potentially at home in between and and i personally would because because the travel is so easy and so nice with the charter planes um shout out to delta airlines then i'm 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 happy leaving san antonio you know coming back for two nights and then going back to wherever uh the the next game but maybe for the player's sake in terms of just playing and focusing in and not maybe it's a little easier to have those chunks of games but Pete, you had said something at the beginning there that made me chuckle because I wrote in the how it's the whole bonding on the road thing. Right. And you hear about this all the time in the NBA, for, especially from coaches. To me, it's a bit more of just a talking point, And it's about how good you are, because if you're not a good team, then those long trips can just be long and, and suck and be tough. Right. And if the team's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's when they came together and really got to know each other. You know, so I, I'm I, I, so I, I think it's more like so I don't think it's the bonding that leads to the winning. I think it's the like being through like overcoming something. The last there was a uh, we went through a road trip a couple of years ago where we ended up winning the last game in Atlanta. And I think it was the game where LeBron threw that sweet like between the legs pass to Dwight. I don't know if you guys remember that on the trailer. I do. Dunk. I just great one of his great passes as a Laker. Anyway, we ended up winning this game and he's walking off the court and there's a sense of like, hey, we got through this like last few weeks. We knew this long ass trip was coming up. We knew this long ass December is what it's going to be this season is coming up. And then when you get through that to the other side and you look back on it and like, hey, we went five and three or we did it right. There's a certain amount yeah. of like Phil Jackson was always big on that, on being able yeah. to selling it back to the team as to, as to like basically taking a win out of a out of a situation. But it's a lot of that is a matter of perspective. But you're right. It is something that can be used. Well, it's it's super important to have that perspective, right, to be to first off, set a goal going into that and try to accomplish it and kind of, I think, breaking up an 82 game season into these mini segments and eight game here uh you know five game here because you got a homestand something like that and then setting goals for that and then if you accomplish it there's there's nothing that can replace the self-belief of accomplishment you could talk about what you're gonna be or what you could be or this and that but once you actually do it and then you look around the, the room at each other it's like hey like there's that's irreplaceable and so i think that that, that's the opportunity I see in times like this that Phil knew very well that building that self-belief in a team comes from a collection of those small little victories. Well, that compartmentalization of a season, because the season's long. And if you actually do look at it like it's like running a race or whatever, like if I've never run a marathon, but I would imagine if you start a marathon and be like, oh, I finished my first mile, only 25 more of these to go. You're going to be like, <laughs> like, like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. That's the wrong like, thing to say to yourself. What right. choice did I make right now? And so breaking it up into smaller pieces and having goals for those smaller pieces is, I think, super important. And I think that with LeBron and a guy like Darvin Ham, who's been around the league for a long time, Anthony Davis, some of the veterans, like they're going to understand that too. Mike, 
The thing I wanted to ask you and that togetherness idea of being on the road, am I remembering correctly that there was a year where the Lakers were on the road for Thanksgiving and, and it was Kobe who like organized a Thanksgiving dinner and yeah. wasn't yeah, was, there was like in De- in Detroit in either 13 or 14. Yeah. What was there ping pong involved? And was there a story about ping pong? Like I'm trying to remember because I think I've read this somewhere and those sort of stories I think are, are inherent in, in that sort of togetherness, right? And where being on the road, especially during the holidays, where it is a time for family, but all you've really got is like the team and the folks from around the organization around that. Those, those can be times to bond and come together in ways that do propel you forward. There's no question. I, I won't tell that story again here because I, I know I have several times before. But yes, Kobe, uh, Kobe provided Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving for everybody and the team was able to bond some. But, you know, that team also wasn't very good. And so it's it's like a fond memory now, but it isn't necessarily related to what then happened later in that season. Sure. You know, so that was my point before is that both things have to kind of be true where you have to have a you have to have these moments in the season that you can use to to galvanize a team but the team also has to be good enough to take advantage of it right and that's to me where the question mark remains with what this lakers team is going to be where there are clearly some real pieces you know for them to 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 not to not like dismiss the chance of a championship there really are but there are also some things that very much need to be ironed out before they can get to that point and you know the schedule is something that to me has some impact, but this is where I, I approach it more to Pete's approach to the schedule release in general, where I'm, where I'm sort of, I've, I've seen all sides of it, right? I've been on trips where there was bonding. I've been on trips where there wasn't and there. It's like the same. It just depends on who's telling the story. And if that person is more of an optimist or a pessimist, uh, did you guys see the spot in the, where I had John Ireland come in and do his five underrated road cities? Yes. So if you, I can't believe who he led with Mike, well, this was this was interesting for a couple of reasons, but I wanted to I tease something in this in the article that I that I could just get out here where John, the way that he told it, there are five cities that are the best road cities and it's not up for debate. And here are John's cities. And these are the best road cities, Miami, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Phoenix. And he says, that's it. That's the list. Now, my that is not my list, actually, for the best five road cities. And, and I wonder if you guys could either guess which ones based on years of me talking about it that I might be slightly partial to, or if there's one of those cities that you think doesn't belong with the rest um, that should be included. Do you have any, do you have any road thoughts about what those cities are? I mean, the Timberwolves is the first one that comes to mind for familial reasons. Is that right? Well, so Minneapolis for me, that's a bias. So I would put that in my personal one, but I wouldn't put that in the collective, right? Just because I recognize that, you know, yeah. So so I that that would be on my personal list. Uh, but the, so a city for me, like I would I would take out Phoenix, first of all, mm-hmm. um, no disrespect to anybody. Phoenix is it's fine. You know, I mean, it's warm there. Like, I guess there's there's some stuff to do, but it's not you know, it doesn't strike me as like if you're if you're from Sweden or something and somebody's like, hey, you're oh, you're going to you're going to the States. You know what? Make sure you hit Phoenix. Is, <laughs> is it? Unless I miss it, something it's, it shouldn't be in on that list in that sense. Should Prob- it? Probably not. Speaking of though, if I could guess another one is Toronto on yes. your, in your top five. No, I thought so. Yeah. So Toronto is one of those cities that, that I think is great. And, and I know uh, Darius recently had a trip up that way, but Darius, this is where I have to, 
I actually I had to throw San Fran um, out of my top five, which I don't know ah. if that's controversial. Um, Interesting. I like San Fran. Fine. It's definitely in my top ten, but sure. I actually I actually sneak Portland in um, on my list there. For, it was better to come and, to Oakland anyway. I mean, the Nike store is a big part of it. The Nike employee store, the just the ease of getting around Portland, the, the restaurants, the the arenas right close to the hotel. It's just like a it's a nice setup in that sense for the NBA. So I I sneak Toronto and Portland in for uh, Phoenix and San Fran. And, and, you know, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. Look, I don't travel enough. I loved Toronto. So put Toronto in there. How close uh, without giving too much away? Do you stay? relatively close to the arena when you go to toronto yeah yeah it's pretty close yeah downtown. yeah 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 because i was just like oh man like the setup there because we walked that entire area when we went to toronto and um i sent you guys a few pictures of like the practice arena and then the actual i think it's called scotia bank now it used to be the air canada center um and the whole setup in that entire area is is just great. And and so I would definitely envision Toronto being up up there as well. You can't argue with like the big cities that he lists. Did he include Chicago? Yeah, Miami, New York, Chicago. I am. I okay. am sta- that, that's those to me are, are not arguable. Those are givens to me. I'm trying to think if there was anywhere else where off the top of my head, I would think that that would be a great place to go. See, I mean, some um, people some people love New Orleans, right? And it's, Yeah, I was going to bring up a, New Orleans. There's a time and place for it. Yeah, I haven't been to a whole lot of uh, NBA cities, but I have been to New Orleans and I absolutely love the city of New Orleans. So uh, I just haven't been to enough of the others to have a personal top five. How much of this is weather related, Mike? Where to like, because I could imagine if you go to... Chicago in March versus Chicago in January, you're going to experience a different Chicago. Same with like Milwaukee, for example. Yeah, I've heard I've heard people sure. rave about Milwaukee. It's like, hey, Milwaukee is like underrated. Great place yeah. to like go get yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, Milwaukee to me is still generally going to rank lower there. That, that might be some bias to somebody who's from Minnesota and went to school in, uh, in Chicago. <laughs> Uh, where Wisconsin, I, I sort of just generally rank lower uh, than many people. But the weather, I have to, t- I can take the weather out of it. As somebody that's from bad weather and now lives in the best weather, uh, it's easier for me to say that. But I think if, sure, if you ask somebody who's working for the Bulls, right, then that's where maybe you hear more of the Miami, Phoenix, LA, right? <laughs> sure. Maybe they even throw in like a, I mean, like a Dallas or something. I don't know. But it's, I, I try to be independent of that, but there's no arguing. It's like the All-Star break, right? People that went to the All-Star game in Toronto, not thrilled. And then people that go there in, in the spring or the early fall, you really get to see the amazing parts of the city. And and again, these are all reasons why LA ranks number one, you know, uh, and I couldn't couldn't put it in there. But I think for a lot of people when they're they're ranking there, and, and not only that, but you get the two trips, right, for the Lakers and the Clippers. It's a bit like New York when you get to go in for Brooklyn and the Knicks. But this year, the Lakers only get to go once, and it's a back-to-back. So it's it's basically the fewest days that you could spend in New York. And that's another one of those things that's not ideal about this season's schedule. Yeah, that seems to be the theme with this year's schedule. Uh, a few more obstacles in the way. Um, everyone, go uh, go read Mike's piece. He worked very hard on it. I'm going to go do the same once we're done here. I don't want to keep yucking your yum, so I'm going to go read it as soon as we're done here, as should everyone else. You should have faked uh, it, Pete. You should have just faked it. See? 
You should have faked it. <laughs> never. You should have been never. like, I loved it. I love the piece about, you know, the travel and the miles. Like the themes that Mike continues to deliver every season. You should have like just revert to those and 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 just do your thing. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be back on Friday. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding, kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.